You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Exploitation. Uh, again, I remind everybody uh, of what we start every program. We repeat it constantly. Elder abuse does not report itself. So we're here asking you to help us, to help your friends, your loved ones, and your relatives who are, might be involved in some kind of an abusive uh, nature. Today, we're, uh, we're, we're glad that we're able to address a subject that uh, came to my attention uh, last week as I was speaking to seniors throughout North Georgia, and it was uh, opioid abuse in the elderly and related issues like grandkids and, and nieces and nephews and loved ones or caretakers who are um, abusing the elderly by uh, taking their medicine. Well, we'll go into more details. We are today. We're honored to have a guest, uh, Bob Ott, who is the um, county commissioner for Cobb County. And for the people out there who don't know, Cobb County is a suburb of Atlanta. We have five commissioners. Bob's one of them. It's about eight hundred thousand people, and Bob has been there for gee, how many terms? I'm on my eleventh year, so I'm in my third term. <laughs> so we appreciate it, but we're not here to talk about county politics. We're talking about. Uh, the issue is opioid abuse, and that's been one of Bob's, uh, uh, I guess, uh, issues that he's addressed as a, as a county commissioner. And welcome, Bob. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, opioid abuse has been one of those things, um, unfortunately, that has hit Cobb County pretty hard. Uh, Cobb County trades between with Fulton County between uh, number one and number two for the most um, overdose deaths in the state of Georgia. Um, so it's something that I decided needed to be addressed. And so, what uh, what actions have you taken? Because you just you took a trip, I think, to New ha- New Hampshire. Oh, or? No, went up to um, went up to Maryland. I had read in uh, NACO newsletter, National Association of Counties, um, about a program called Safe Stations, and Anne Arundel County. There was an article about them, and basically, what it is is a program that sets up for the uh, folks that are abusing drugs or just you know kind of want help. They can go to any fire station and bring their drugs, their paraphernalia, everything, and say, I need help. Because it's, you know, it's well documented that um, someone abusing drugs is not going to get into recovery unless they want to. And so the safe station, so I went up there, kind of found out how the program worked, and then kind of came back here down to Cobb to try to put some of the components in place. And as you're up there, I I think you've become aware, I'm sure, of the issue, but also... Uh, the different ages that it affects, and certainly the elderly is is one, and um, uh, all ages, correct? Well, yeah, and I, I think people will actually be surprised. I had a town hall on, on opioid, and uh, one of the first questions the medical examiner and I asked was, what do you think is the highest age group that's overdosing in COP? Now, you know, a typical answer is teenagers or 21. Or, the reality is it's white males in the 50 to 59-year-old. Wow. And, oh. Which is... Not what you would expect. And the county has had someone as old as 80 overdosing on heroin. Um, so it, it's, it is not just a young person's uh, epidemic. But before we go any farther, I think it's important for the listeners uh, throughout the United States and the world who listen to our show, let's just uh, talk about, um, kind of define the, the group when we talk about opioids and and I think there are three areas, and, you know, chime in here, Bob. Uh, one is a prescription opioids, which people know about. The other is a fentanyl, which is an artificially made 
um, synthetic opioid. And then the one that everybody thinks about when you talk about the opioid ecumenic is heroin. Right. And uh, you got any comments on these and, and before we move farther here? Because you'll hear the terms we're going to talk about um, and some common um, types of prescriptions are, I'm going to name a few, oxycodone, hydrocodone. Uh, yeah, Percocet. Um, any any real um, heavy-duty pain medicine uh, more than likely is a derivative of an opioid. Um, you are correct. I mean, you, you have your synthetic opioids, which are basically the ones that are manufactured. Um, heroin comes from the poppy, so that's, if you want to say, a natural opioid. And then uh, fentanyl, which is probably the most deadly of them all. Right, and that's manufactured, and it's, I know it's imported from... A lot of it comes from China. Um, and part of the problem with fentanyl, um, depending on how it's manufactured, one or two grains will kill you. Matter of fact, if you touch it, and it's certain kinds, it'll kill you, which is why it's such a hazard to public safety. Again, I want to clarify for the listeners out there, number one, we're, we're, we're not doctors and we're not lawyers, so we're just concerned people in the, in the community trying to help address the issue and get people help and try to educate people on on the on the issues dealing with the, with the opioid problem. So if you have any issues or you think we're going to touch on some subjects that might apply, please check with your professionals in your community and 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 get help. That's the main thing. Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, if you think that one of um, your relatives or whatever is abusing um, opioids or drugs, um, you know, talk to a doctor and there are also some treatment facilities that you can um, get more information from. The uh, issue about seniors is not only of them taking it, is that they become very um, trusting uh, for people around them. They usually could be in a hospice, could be at a home hospice, could be in assisted living, but a lot of them are in, especially cancer patients, are prescribed uh, different opioids. Have you had some? Yeah, well, I mean, well, the kind of the pathway that gets people in trouble is, for example, you know, you have major surgery. You know, I have a relative who had major surgery last week, right. and um, the first thing they're going to give you is fentanyl. Especially if you're a cancer patient, you will get doctor-prescribed fentanyl. Um, it only takes about five days of heavy dosage to alter your brain chemistry. So what happens, you know, on, on an elder person, which is a little bit different than somebody younger, is the impact of the drug can be greater because they have decreased liver function and the body doesn't get rid of the chemicals as fast. And so they start building up a higher level. Um, and so that feeling of euphoria um, and things like that kind of carries over. So then when they come off the fentanyl and they get the oxycontin or the hydrocodone or whatever, um, they need to take, keep taking more. Um now, part of the problem is the way the drugs are prescribed. Um, I, I know another person who had knee surgery last last year, and the doctor prescribed 40 pills. Wow. But luckily, um, some of the local pharmacies um, have a limit on how many they're going to issue. So, for example, in this particular case, the pharmacy said, we're only going to give you 28. Um, here in Georgia, there's a, a program called PDMP, which basically, if uh, more than a three-day supply the doctor has to register the prescription with the state. So it, it's it's kind of an attempt to slow down or reduce over-prescribing and to try to go after these pain clinics. Um, but then what happens is, you know, you go from the fentanyl in the hospital to the hydrocodone or oxycontin, 
And then when that runs out, you want more. Now, because elders more so than um, younger folks have a lot of, you know, different pain issues and things like that, a lot of times they're on a bunch of different medications, it's not uncommon for them to go to the doctor and say, I'm still having pain. Right. Well, they're not really still having pain. They just don't feel the same as they did when they were on the drugs, and so the doctor keeps prescribing it. Um, so now you have all this medicine building up in the house. Um, the problem is these pills are expensive, and heroin, a little pack of heroin, is is a whole lot cheaper than one of these pills. And so they just gradually move from the fentanyl all the way to the heroin. Um, so if you're a caretaker or you have you know um, a relative who's an elder, you really have to kind of monitor their their um, intake of these medicines. Um, even younger people, anytime they get one of these kind of drugs, they recommend you know having a, a chart set up that you know they would give it yes, and you start marking it, keeping track of the pills and all that. Well, I I, I think it's that what what you're saying is interesting that that this person that you know firsthand got was prescribed 40 pills. Right. And and at least the, at least there was some restriction at the at the pharmacy level. Right. Uh, that restricted it. But a lot of places I don't know if they have that. Uh, and and you know again this is what we're talking about what's going on in Georgia from um, I think you had some uh, some thoughts. Didn't you attend a White House? Uh, you were invited by the White House to I did. I went up to a White House symposium on um, there were about 150 attendees from around the country and and it was really kind of to talk about the president's drug policy and and how the white house and uh, um, is tackling the problem and it was really for them also to hear some of the issues we have um because there there's not a lot of money out there to combat this stuff um some of this is very expensive to track um i've also had meetings with the dea um they're very much concerned about um pill mills and pharmacies getting together with doctors, and you know, it, it's actually very prevalent in the Native American community. The uh, um, pill mills, like upper, upper State New York, and some of those, um, and so the DEA is really trying to crack down on on pill mills. Well, when you when you um, when you're in a conference with people from around the, around the country, are we? Uh, is it really hit home to you that it is a major problem nationwide that that it's growing and that we need now to stop? What's your what's your thinking about that? Um, it, it is actually um, what I what I notice is that as bad as we have it in Georgia, we're not nearly as bad as it is in other states around the country. Okay, especially West Virginia, Ohio, um, in that area they. They have entire communities that are effectively shut down um, because there's so many people addicted to the opioids, and they can't even get their economies growing because they can't get businesses to come in because the the folks can't pass drug tests. So there is there is kind of somewhat of a move of also to try to get these folks in recovery, but at the same time, try to find some industries that you can bring into a community that are willing to. Um, you know, work with people that are in recovery. The uh, <coughs> when we hear about uh, fentanyl. I believe that um, comes from China, but a lot of it comes through the Mexican border, and they're making arrests all the time because fentanyl on the black market and, and the illegal world sells is very profitable. 
But what's uh, probably uh, more profitable is um, the uh, cost of somebody actually stealing these pills from, uh, like, caregivers or grandkids or kids, somebody at a senior's home uh, where they'll go in and just start taking pills and then using the sale of a real pill on the street, you were telling us the cost of the pill. Right. I mean, a... um an Oxycontin pill on the street is it costs about seventy five dollars to buy, and a little bag of heroin is about fifteen. So, so what happens is, um, you know, somebody is out there selling pills, of course, for the money. They start getting people hooked, um, but then it's a pretty quick path to heroin because it's it's easier to get. Um, but the the problem with the fentanyl is not so much the fentanyl by itself. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about legalizing marijuana in a bunch of places, but what's happening is this marijuana that's coming into the country from other places is laced with fentanyl or even some other synthetic opioids that that we haven't even heard about yet. Um, and the problem is that some of the reason why you have these higher deaths in the older folks is the fact that some of these, like the 50s, 59s, 60s, are from the 60s and 70s when there was a pretty heavy drug culture. And so they've been pretty much constant users. Well, now what they've been using is all of a sudden laced with fentanyl and some of these other more powerful drugs, and it's killing them. That's a higher... That fentanyl apparently is just incredibly uh, potent, I guess is the word, and people don't realize it. There's no way to... Well, and, and they, but a lot of times they don't even know that it's in the drugs right. that they're taking. Right, they're putting in it. Well, with that, we'll end our first segment here today on the Safe Senior Hour. And we will be back with uh, Commissioner Bob Ott talking about opioid abuse in the elderly. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to uh, segment number two of the Safe Senior Hour, and we're honored to have guest Commissioner Bob Ott from the Cobb County um, Commission, um, who one of his uh, fights that he does uh, many times is fighting this opioid abuse situation uh, throughout the uh, throughout the county, but he's been. Uh, very active in state issues and also was at the uh, National Conference, White House Conference on Fighting uh, Opioid uh, um, Addiction and Abuse. Um, I got to remind it that uh, both Bob and I are not doctors, we're not lawyers, we're just very concerned citizens that help to work trying to fight this problem and try to help people who cares. And actually, I will tell you, Bob is actually a pilot. So that's his, uh, that's his, as he says, that's his real job. And he <laughs> flies for a big right? commercial, aer- uh, commercial um, um, airlines. And, um, but which allows him to go all over, and, and he sees the issues all over, not only here, all over the, all over the world. Uh, one of the areas that we talked about briefly that, that I wanted just to let people know why we're speaking about it is that uh, seniors who live at home or live in hospice, in-home hospice, are, are a lot of times given this medicine, and you just told me something about opioids that they're used for uh, what kind of pain? I well, think. yeah, I mean, a lot of folks think that opioids are for chronic pain, you know, pain that is ongoing. And, and the reality is there's a lot of studies out there that, that show that that's not the case. I mean, obviously, you know, certain cancer patients and certain types of surgeries and some pain need the, the higher potency of um, opioids, but... They're, they're addictive. I mean, you know, it's clear that, you know, they're addictive, and so they were never intended to be used for chronic pain. But that's when these pills are given out, and you heard uh, uh, Commissioner Rott talk about, uh, um, you know, of a case where somebody was prescribed 40 pills, and these are, you can just picture this, when this amount of pills are in, in a uh, senior's home, elder who's in a hospice or at home hospice, these pills are relatively available, and and some of the some of the issues that that, uh, uh, that come up is that there are the caretakers or loved ones or relatives go take the pills, so the seniors don't get to use them, and but they but they're they're stolen and then put out on the street and are sold. I think Bob just said that a pill goes as right. An oxycontin is about seventy five dollars on the street. A pill. A pill. Now, I think one thing to keep in mind is that all of these medicine, unlike, you know, when you get an antibiotic, for example, you're told take it, you know, every six hours, every 12 hours until right. they're done. So you're taking it on a regular basis. On these um, opioids, it says every six hours as needed. Okay. So when you're given 40 pills, you know, depending on the person, you may not need them. And so what happens is either, like you said, the caregiver is stealing the pills or um, as the person comes out of the surgery or whatever issue they're in there for, there's all these pills sitting around, just ripe for the taking. Right, and it's not just caregivers; it can be relatives. That Actually, come in and one of the one of the problems and and uh, the the trend, and um, I can show you a uh, a, a chart here that um, as we go into um. Right here, we have a chart that shows age. Let's see over here. Right. It shows age groups, and 
as we as we go from um, this is 2016, 2017, 2018, with the red line being 2018, you'll see that although we talked about in the beginning that um, the 50 to 59 was the highest number of overdoses, right? You can see as as we've gone from 16 to 18, that age has dropped right. to a younger age. Right. This is in Cobb County for those who are watching. It's it, it's. Uh, and, and again, education, education, education. Well, and that's kind of part of um, part of the issue. You know, you, you have a couple different ways to attack it. Number one, you have to try to help the people that are addicted. Right. Um, the first step to that is identifying and getting either, you know, your relative, and, and there's some things that we can talk about that are kind of signs that possibly your uh, elder relative is, is addicted to the drugs. And so you have to deal with the folks who are addicted. You have to deal with these, just these inordinate amount of pills that are out on the streets. And then educating parents what to look for in their kids, All right? Because right. If, you, if you know, if if you don't stop, if you don't catch it when they're young, then that's just going to carry on. And and the stories are sad. I'm just looking at a from a, from a report um, that it says in Mobile, Alabama, a hospice nurse found a man found a man at home in tears, holding his ab- abdomen, c- complaining of pain at the top of the 10-point scale. I guess pain is 10 being the worst. Right, yeah. The patient was dying of cancer, and his neighbors were stealing his opioid painkillers day after day. They know they're there. They go in. They're real nice. And in the back, they're going. Because an elderly person or anybody who's who's in a hospice care with cancer, you're fighting it. You know, they're not out there checking every pill every day. Well, I, th- I think it's important to note, and I'm sure your listeners have heard you say this many times, Probably ninety to ninety-five percent of the victims of elder abuse do not know they're being abused. That's exactly right. That's so, right. I mean, you know, this is just yet another example of elder abuse where um, the elder person is being taken advantage of, and in this case, pain medicine that they need for their condition is being stolen. And another case they talk about in Monroe, Michigan, parents kept quote losing medication for a child dying at home of brain cancer, including. Bottles of painkiller methadone. Right. Well, and, and methadone is kind of the new um, drug that's coming up. But and that's part of the uh, you know we talked about the PDMP program that's here in Georgia and it's in a lot of other states. Um, that's where the doctors and the pharmacists can start seeing a trend where you know hey the, these folks keep coming in saying they right. lost it or whatever and and it starts raising some red flags. Uh, in uh, Clinton, Missouri, a woman at home on hospice began uh, vomiting from anxiety from a tense family conflict. Her son had to physically fight off her daughter who was stealing her medications. Her son implored the hospice to move the mom to a nursing home to escape this, this free access by the daughter. Uh, that's that's the situation. Well, I think you're you're touching on another issue too, and that's the difference between um, metro areas and rural areas. You know, in metro areas, um, we've all gotten so accustomed. You go to the, you know, the urgent care. You go to the doctor. You right. go to the emergency room. You just have a lot of these health services available. But in rural parts of the country, especially like here in Georgia, um, the doctors are more prone to prescribe higher higher number of pills or dosages because it's harder for people to get to the doctor. Um, you know, another commission I've sat on looking at transportation, there are some places in Georgia, for example, if you want to go to the doctor, you have to go through three counties. 
and you have to set up transportation in each one of those counties to get there and to get back. Right. And so rural health care is totally different. Um, and so that's why you're seeing kind of a, a pretty high prevalence of um, opioid addiction in the rural areas. Uh, I just look in another case. Um, a paid caregiver uh, or hospital workers who work largely in, unsupervised in their homes. That's the issue. They're there, and it's just themselves with the with the patient. Um, well, I, I think one of the things to point out there, and, and have pers- some personal experience with this, you know, taking care of a, um, a, a sick a relative or an elder person is, is very time-consuming and a lot of work. Right. Um, and a lot of times you have to have somebody there 24 hours. So, you know, the family member can't be there 24 hours, so you hire someone to be there when you're not there. So now you are totally dependent and trusting of this person that you don't know, that you've hired, to come in and take care of your relative. And so any of these pain medications and things that you have on hand, yeah, they're, they're totally available for the taking. All right. And, and, again, we've spoken about that from a different point of view. It was access to finances and checkbooks and things like this. I, you know, by far, most caregivers are honest, hardworking right. people. But there are people who abuse it. Well, and I think that's why it's important, just like in your previous segments um, where you've talked about the other types of elder abuse, there are warning signs, there are things to look for, you know, in in the case of medication and stuff like that. um, You as the relative knows how much medication, you you know, your, your elder parent or whatever should be taking. And so every day when you go by, you just kind of go through a check. Got, got, got Make a sure work. everything's there, just like you would with the finances and anything else. Um, the note here, um, in uh, Albuquerque, a former hospice nurse pleaded guilty to diverting oxycodone pills, um, first by recommending prescriptions for hospice patients who didn't need them and then intercepting the packages with the intention of selling the drugs herself. Um well, and I, I think now with the, um, you know, besides the normal route of getting medication from the pharmacy um, or place like that, you now have these online. Right. And especially if it's long-term care. Um, a lot of insurance companies kind of steer you towards the online because, you know, they, they can provide the medicine at a cheaper rate. But it also opens it up for interception of the packages or just kind of the abuse you just described. Uh, just for the people, uh, the, the listeners, uh, the five most common opioids, and because people use the word opioids like we know what we talk, what, what everybody, everybody knows what it encompasses, but that's not the case. The five most common opioids for hospice patients are liquid morphine, one, hydrocodone. Uh, uh, Hydrocodine. Hydrocodine, yeah. Right, like uh, some trade names sometimes are like Vicodin. Uh, Percocet, I think, is one. Yeah, yeah. Three is morphine tablets. Four is oxycodone, immediate release tablets. And five is fentanyl patches, which we, which, which I do know as I speak to people through North Georgia rural that uh, rural areas, patches are given out to people and in, in uh, with cancer, the elderly. And these these patches uh, are needed to um, to supply that immediate painkiller. They're not there; they're taken, and we'll talk about those in in the, in the next segment. But we'll go through and talk about some things people can look at. 
to try to know whether there is an abuse going on. With that, we'll end our second segment of the Safe uh, Senior Hour. Remember, elder abuse doesn't report itself. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome back to the third segment of uh, the Safe Senior Hour. And again, we have Commissioner Bob Ott from uh, Cobb County, Georgia. Um, Bob is, is, is one of the people that's outspoken and has taken an interest is trying to help fight uh, opi- opioid abuse, um, not only with the elderly but with everybody. And he has been, uh, excuse me, working statewide, not only in the county but also uh, on a national level. And uh, as always, we we uh, we always like to hear what's going on in other parts of the country. And Bob, thanks for coming here. Um, what I think one of the the important points that we want to cover. Uh, before Bob has to have to has to go is um, the uh, it, it, to recognize whether people are taking opioids that they possibly might be um, abusing them or in some manner. I don't know Bob whether whether you have uh, anything you want to talk about, but uh, there are like five or six things that. Uh, the professionals recommend, and again, i got to say we're not doctors and we're not lawyers, so see your professionals if any of this sounds like it might might be uh, an issue with you or one of your loved ones. Well, I, I think that, and this is true with, I mean, any time someone is, um, you know, if you think about when someone's recovering from surgery or something like that, right. when you're in there every day 
and and you would expect to see improvement you know a little bit more clarity in what the person says or how they act and you know be able to eat a little bit more and and just normal things that you know anytime anybody's kind of recovering from being sick or having surgery um so if in your daily visits you start seeing it going the other way you know where there there's there's more of a stupor or just um the person seems more confused um they just don't have any strength they're not eating um all those kind of things you know clearly something's going the wrong way just like you would um you know you'd say to the doctor hey what you know what's going on here well if it's at home then you, know, you would kind of start wondering um what may be causing the problem and like we talked earlier hopefully on a daily basis you're checking the medications um you know, you should kind of figure out how many you would expect to be used. And um, if there is no caregiver and the person is, you know, medicating themselves based on the prescription, then, you know, you definitely want to kind of start counting the, the pills and say, you know, hey. And that's where it comes into what we talked about earlier, about kind of actually having a, a marking it down. No, I think that's a good good suggestions. Uh, some other areas that um, – that, uh, are recommended is um, if you notice somebody who's taking the the drug more often than prescribed. That well, and that's where the if you're keeping a record or a log of when the medication is taken, um, then that that you're going to see that right away. Or trying to take higher doses, like doubling up. Right, which once like again you would you would start getting a shortage of pills. Um, and that it if they indicate that they're taking the medication. For pleasure instead of for pain relief, I just want. I need. I just need it. It's you know. Right. It makes me feel good. Right. Yeah. There's some telltale telltale signs there um, that you know maybe things aren't going as. And the other one is mixing medication with other drugs or alcohol. You should never do that. Right. Especially when you're dealing with these drugs. Well, and and you bring up a good point because you know a lot of seniors are on various medications, right. either high blood pressure or all these other ones. Um, you know, I think it's good practice anytime that you or a relative gets prescribed medication, that you, you bring a list to the doctor and said, hey, here's what they're on already. Right. Are there any drug interactions that we don't know about? Because if you don't tell the doctor, the doctor's not going to know that they're taking whatever they may be taking. Well, it, it's it's a partnership with the doctor, with the caregiver, yourselves. It's a hard job. I mean, let's face it, it's not easy. No, but I think it, it kind of goes along with the other areas of elder abuse that I'm sure you've talked about is that if you are caring for an elder relative, um, like you said, elder abuse doesn't report itself. You have to be involved as to what's going on um, with the person, whether it be financial, um, you know, looking for signs that they might be being physically right. abused, um, and things like that. And, and so when it comes to medication, it's no different. No. That you have to be an active participant. Um, and, and that's why it's so difficult, because there's so many things that you have to be watching for. Uh for the individual who's on painkillers, there's some suggestions that 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 you might be having a, uh, a opioid use disorder, and they and they address some of these areas as you spend a lot of the day getting or using or recovering from the use. Uh, constantly seem sedated, confused, or forgetful. Crave more the drugs when you don't have any. You know, I'm out of drugs. I need them. I need right. them. Right. Show signs of tolerance and physical dependence on those pills. Um, well, and I think that kind of moves to another area that I think is important. And this this kind of carries over not just, I mean, I know we're, we're really here to talk about elder abuse 
And um, but what happens to folks when they become dependent is they start getting creative. And this this holds true for alcohol, drugs, but um, and so what what happens is you may not know, and as not an abuser or someone who's got a, um, a problem, you're not going to think of where to look or where to hide things, especially for someone who you know is maybe not bedridden but has some mobility but is on medicine. Um, they're going to figure out how to get the drugs, whether it be on the street. Um, or just, you know, through the doctor. And, and if they don't want you to know that it's there, then they're going to get really good at hiding. So one of the things that we've done in Cobb, and this is kind of more geared towards um, parents with um, kids in school, but in a lot of ways it's educational no matter what. I mean, so the county has um, made what's called a Cope House, Cobb Overdose Prevention Effort. And basically it's a trailer about the size that you could put a car in that is um, the total inside or the inside is totally set up like a teenager's bedroom, bathroom, closet. And so, um, you know, here's some here's some pictures of that. This is uh, one end of the yeah. one end of it and you can see you have the bed and, and the uh, nightstand and then at the other end of the trailer is um, the bathroom. So, in this uh, trailer we have 75 hiding places or telltale signs. Um, most of the things that are in there, um, the county purchased online. Coke cans that have um, fake tops. But when you pick them up, it feels like it's full. Shaving cans, um, hairspray, um, baseball caps, books, all these different things that would look normal around a room but have hiding spots. And so what we do is we give tours. We, ta- we take it to a parental uh, events like PTSAs and other things where parents can be at and give them a tour and say, hey, you know, if you start seeing things like this, um, you know, maybe you need to have a conversation. So the reality is, you know, since we know that um, this addiction doesn't just happen with teenagers right. and can um, older folks, you know, the metal clo- uh, closet rods in your closet are hollow. You can put syringes in there. You know, you can. There's lots of hiding places. But I mean, the, the point is that um, whether the person's 15 or 65 or 75 if they're addicted to, to the drugs they're going to do what they have to do to get them to hide them and keep them away from you right and that's common and, and, and what I was told uh, last week is that a lot of uh, these seniors will will um, you've heard the term uh, hoarding where they'll hoard things, right but they'll hoard drugs like they'll say they've uh, They've, they've gone through it or they dropped them and had to throw away some down the toilet when they really kept them and then they then they're hiding them from right the exactly and kind of like we talked from, about from their kids and remember when we're talking about seniors and elderly people ki- their kids are like 25 30 it's not you're not talking necessarily teenagers it's the teenagers great grandkids that come by and and have on occasion, that, that we've heard in, 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 in our talks with the communities have actually come and taken drugs. And one of the biggest things that they've been taking is the fentanyl pat- patches. And, and the fentanyl patches, <clears throat> my understanding, are used, as Bob already talked, fentanyl is a pretty powerful right. synthetic. But it's a patch they put on the arm and it slowly but, introduces. Right, but here's, here's one of the problems with that. So somebody gets a fentanyl patch you know, uses it, gets the good feeling from having it, that's a controlled amount, 
in a controlled environment now. So so now they get hooked on fentanyl. So now they go out on the street to buy fentanyl, which is not like we talked about is that some of these things are cheaper than drugs. Right. But now the fentanyl on the street is nothing like the fentanyl that's in the patch. No, no. That, that, I mean, you know, you're talking all at once. And so um, that's that's where you kind of get into well, the problem. I, I, I will tell you what law enforcement has uh, explained to me, that they'll take that patch, comes in a patch, and I haven't seen one, to be honest with you, but it's just a small patch that fits on your arm, and that they'll take some of the patches, and they come in stacks, I guess, or, or whatever, and the kids will, young kids or, who are the caretakers, will take them, freeze them, and then they cut them up into little triangles, okay? Okay. Or quarters, or it might be an eighth or a quarter. And they're probably out selling and that. And they sell that for uh, $20 a quarter pat to uh, on the street. It's a big money maker. So they got one patch, I think, what, they can get eight? Oh, yeah, I, know, I haven't know. seen one either. But uh, It's an incredible uh, situation. And that's why, as Bob has said, just be accountable to your loved ones, to the people that you well, care Well, there's another thing you can do, and, and, I mean, we don't necessarily have to demonstrate it here, but, um, you know, how often is it that you have leftover pills? Okay? Pretty common. Sit up in the medicine cabinet, sit in the drawer. Well, you may not be taking them, but your teenager, your teenager's friends, all right? Well, there's a product out here that you basically would take this container right here, um, Pillbox. Yeah, the pillbox. You got about a third of the pills in here. You put another third of water. Put this in there. Shake it up, and this turns to a solid. Totally neutralizes the the, the pills, and so then they're kind of out of circulation. Um, another thing that you can do is uh, twice a year the DEA has drug takebacks. Yes. This yes. past year it was over a million pounds of oh. drugs. Wow. Um, there are some of the drugstores. I know CVS is one of them that has drop-offs um, that you can drop them off. Um, in Cobb County, on our GIS webpage, we actually have an opioid page. And you can go to that page, and two really important things. Number one is recovery. You actually put your address in there, and they will give you direction to the closest recovery center to your house. Wonderful. And then the second one is drug drop-off. Same thing, you, you know, you put your address in there and it'll direct you to the closest drug drop-off. And, it, and it's not, the locations are not just regulated or situated in Cobb County. The map that it's using is basically a nationwide map. And so if, you know, if you live in Fulton County or something like that, um, you could find where to drop these medications off. And I'm sure if, if through wherever you live now throughout the country or throughout the world, um, check with your professionals where, where there, is, there is help. There is help. It's just a matter you've got to go find it. We're trying to make it more uh, convenient and put it in people's uh, uh, mind that there's help out there. It's the education of the, of the public and education of the loved ones to try to help these people. Right, I, and I but like we you know like we keep harping on that the single biggest thing uh, when you're you know helping to take care of your elder um, relative is just monitor. Don't take anything for granted, whether it be finances, right. whether it be physical abuse, whether it be the drug addiction. Um, you know, you are their eyes and ears because, as you know, you continue to say, you know, elder abuse doesn't report itself, and so you have to be kind of on the lookout. Well, and this is true, and, and the other point is, and you've had many of our guests say, that's kind of what Bob's saying here, 
if if your loved one or the elderly is in a hospice or in assisted living somewhere, go visit them. Go unannounced. Go. Don't set a pattern. I know it's easier to do, but go there to see how they're living, to see what kind of medication they're on. Stay informed. Um, and well, I the think other thing—that's the important thing that we have to do here. The other thing is, you're checking the finance side of things. Um, if you all of a sudden start seeing a rather large um, set of right. bills for um, medicine and things like that. Well, we uh, we just uh, uh, finished our third segment, and and it's very interesting. And it's very important um, that we all do this and look and take care of our loved ones. That ends this segment of the Safe Senior Hour. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis, inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me and i am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not so fun experience moving call timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience around town movers for that local or cross-country move timothy around town movers in my opinion are the best that's around town movers Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Safe Senior Hour. Again, we have our guest, Bob Ott, um, <clears throat> the, a uh, commissioner from Cobb County who has been very active in the fight against uh, uh, op- opioid abuse uh, for, for not just seniors but for everyone. And I know Bob's got to run. And I want to thank him for coming. We appreciate Thanks for inviting it. Me. And if you could just uh, give the listeners uh, some information, how they get in touch with you or your office, so sure. you can help them. Um, yeah, my county office is uh, 770-528-3316. And my county email is bob.ott, so B-O-B dot O-T-T at cobcounty.org. And and one, uh, one thing we talked about, the drug trailer, um, this is a... Uh, a great example of cooperation around the country. Um, we got actually got the idea from uh, the sheriff up in Har- Harford County, uh, Maryland. Yeah. And uh, he sent me all the information, and we, we built ours. Interestingly, it was built with drug seizure money. 
It's, it's music to my ears. And I, and I do know from being in law enforcement, talking to people every day in the law enforcement community, we're not going to arrest our way out of the drug problem. No, no. It's we got to still arrest them. we got to still stop the interdiction, and we're trying to do a good job. But we've got to do other other um, issue, other things to help. Well, there's prevent. really three three prongs to the attack. The, the, the one, and this is part of the federal government, um, and there are a bunch of counties and um, communities. Um, we have to go after the manufacturers. They're kind of the ones that started the problem. There are a bunch of lawsuits. You have to go after the distributors. And then you have to help the people that are addicted. Right. Those are on the legal drugs, on the illegal drugs right. that are being smuggled in. I have to do it. But we've got to help. We've got to help the people who are addicted trying, trying to do it. And, again, one death is too many. But I want to thank you, Bob, right, for well, coming today. Thanks for the invite. And hopefully you can get back here and uh, safe travels, safe right. flights. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. The um, That was a very enlightening um, discussion here on fighting the um, – Opioid abuse, especially in in the elderly, and uh, it was a very very uh, timely uh, conversation. <coughs> I have uh, a couple more examples, so you know what to look for. Uh, in uh, Ox- Oxnard, California, a person claiming to be a hospice employee entered the home of five patients and tried to steal their morphine, um, and they succeeded twice. Uh, In Norwich, Vermont, a family looked for morphine to ease a dying patient's shortness of breath, but the bottle was missing from the hospice-issued comfort care kit. The family suspected an aide who no longer worked in a home, had stolen the drugs, but they had no proof. Um... But they were told they went to the investigators for the state and to investigate it. And remember what we've talked about doing these cases. It's like putting uh, a, a, a puzzle together, and, uh, and that's a little piece of the puzzle. Um, and we're just saying we got, we've got to make sure we understand not every caregiver, every, every person is bad. The vast, vast majority are hardworking, dedicated people who wanted to take care of, of, of a patient and do what they can to help people, especially in their in their latter part of their life and, and, and hospices. So I want to get that clear. And again, reiterate, Bob and I are not doctors. We're not lawyers. If you have situations like this, contact a professional in your neighborhood. Uh, but the me- message is there is help out there. So you need to, if you can, um, go ahead and uh, reach out. And that's what we're saying. Reach out. There is help available. Uh, With that here, I'm going to just end the day with talking about the latest update on the fraud report that we get from Steve Baker, who's been a guest on the the show, and uh, talk about some... um, uh, uh, cases and issues that are taking place all over the country um, uh, and all over the world, more importantly. Uh, three uh, people from India were indicted for tech support fraud in New York, um, and that uh, one man got a million three out of it. Um, the uh,
a uh, in the United in the United Kingdom, a new scam. Uh, they arrested eight people who would call their victims and claim to be the police and ask victims to withdraw money to help quote help catch the crooks. Uh, we have seen this more and more. There have been calls, people posing as uh, law enforcement officers saying, we need you to help uh, in um, depositing this check, and this will help us catch the crooks that are in your area. Uh, most people are not buying into it, but again, there's always that one person that's gullible. Uh <clears throat> A California man got 2.5 years in prison for stolen identity refund fraud dealing with 200 bogus uh, federal uh, tax returns filed. In Jamaica, we talk about the Jamaica lottery and uh, sweepstakes fraud. Well, they just had 10 arrested in Jamaica for lottery fraud. Um, A woman... um, in Virginia, uh, pleaded guilty to collecting money for the Jamaican lottery fraud, fraud keeping 25%. Uh, and this woman had previous convictions for the same fraud, got out and did it again. And the importance of that arrest for everybody is that you need people who are going to uh, collect money or going to be the conduits for information here in the United States. Since most of these crimes are committed uh, in other countries, there are local people, and the government will um, try to identify them. They're called mules, um, just because they'll handle money or documents, and they will prosecute them. And there's an example in Virginia. Um, and in Thailand, we talked about uh, fraudsters from being in, in Africa and other areas on the romance scams. Well, Thailand has arrested 282 romance fraudsters in the last year. And they advise that these crooks are leaving Thailand and moving to Singapore. So I think that that the message is this is worldwide. Keep on the lookout. Make sure you are are handling these situations um, with your loved ones, with other people you know, with, with a very caring but very decisive statements that you're possibly dealing with fraudsters. I had a woman uh, last week approach, <coughs> approach us after we gave a, 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 a talk, and she was in tears. And, um, and I advised her that, uh, asked her what was wrong, and she said, my sister, who has started dementia, uh, has believed that she had won the Publishers Clearinghouse. It's a big uh, sweepstakes here in, in, in the United States. Even though she had not played it, she, she had a phone call, said she won it. But in order to collect her prizes, she had to pay upfront money. The moral of the story is you never have to pay money to get money. That any kind of money would be taken out before it's ever given to you. They then compounded the issue with her and said not only has she won, she's been selected to have, uh, and what she won was $2.1 million allegedly, uh, is that the TV uh, will come 
and film her as she gets her check. But that will be delayed because she has also won a brand new Mercedes sedan that that retails for like $160,000. And they want to drive that to her house as the TV's there. But yes, you guessed it, they needed upfront money to pay for all the fees and um, taxes that go along with with winning this Mercedes. So the message is clear out there, people. If it's too good to be true, it isn't true. It's a scam. Please take care of that. Please help with your loved ones. Please help with, with people you know. Get some professional. Go to the law enforcement. Tell them that they're participating in a scam and that you believe a scam and help them. You are not the investigators, the police, the sheriff's department, the federal officials. They are the people that will investigate. And not every time when you give information, they're going to go knock on a door and arrest somebody. It takes time. But again, remember what I said. These are pieces of the puzzle. I was in law enforcement for 30-plus years. Nothing is solved overnight. It takes time. But we can only work with help from the community and from the citizens. And that's the important thing to remember. These are little pieces of the puzzle. What's happening here in Georgia might also be happening out on the West Coast, uh, might be happening in, an, in, another, in the Northeast or in another country. We need to all work together and help stop these frauds. It's very prevalent. The, um, uh, the latest scam that hit, I have not heard of somebody calling that your Social Security um, card has been canceled and you need to apply for a new one. In the, in the United States, the Social Security card is, um, is what's used to get various benefits from the government. And if somebody tells you that it's, that it's been canceled, you're going to worry. But they will ensure that it, that it will be reinstated with a fee. So they ask the individuals here um, to go to get some money and pay it so they can keep their benefits. But with that, I want to thank you all for listening. Remember, elder abuse doesn't report itself. And that uh, if you have any questions, uh, email us at safe at uh, americaswebradio.com. And you all have a good day. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.